0: of the Lord God is upon us. God sends good news to the oppressed and binds up the brokenhearted. Look, the young woman is with child. She will call him Emmanuel, for God is with us. Let us worship God.
1: In this Advent season, we sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God is with us. Confident of the truth, we confess before God and one another those parts of our life that remain shadowed even as we pray for God's strength to bring our whole lives into the light of God's truth and mercy. Let us pray. God, you have mercifully opened wide the doors to life everlasting. We confess that we are a people of shut doors and high walls. Teach us to rejoice In the wide mercy that breaks down barriers and unlocks doors. In your wisdom, God, you close doors to ways that would do us harm. Teach us to be patient and wait for the wisdom that comes from accepting your timing in our lives. In the name of Jesus, the key of David, we pray. Amen. is lifted up every mountain made low now the glory of the Lord is revealed for the mouth of the Lord has spoken believe this good news in Jesus Christ we are forgiven in Christ we have peace with one another and with God and we share in that peace in worship Online, I invite you to take this moment to share your presence with us by scanning the QR code on the screen or clicking on the link below the video player as we here in the sanctuary greet one another with words and signs of peace. The peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And also with you.
0: Good morning and welcome to worship here at Fourth Presbyterian Church. From near and far we gather together in body and in spirit to share the love of Christ and to worship God. We welcome you to this sanctuary and we welcome our online worshipers who are joining us today from Annapolis, Maryland, St. Joseph, Michigan, Tempe, Arizona and parts in between and beyond. We welcome you all. For those of you here in the sanctuary, I invite you to fill out the information forms that you find in the pads at the end of each row so that we can know that you are here. And for, for those of you worshiping online with us, we'd really love to know where you from where you are joining us. So please let us know. Everyone is invited to take part in the vibrant life of this congregation and you can find our invitation to you in pages seven through 11 of your worship bulletin. I encourage you to take a few minutes today to look through all the many opportunities listed there and in particular a wide variety of Advent and Christmas opportunities. This morning's education offering will be a presentation on nativity scenes in the art and faith of the creche, which will be offered on Zoom and in person in Borwell Dining Room at 11 o'clock this morning. Wednesday evening, there will be an in-person longest night service for those for whom grief, loss, and loneliness make traditional Christmas celebrations difficult. In the bulletin you'll also find listings of all of our Christmas Eve and Christmas Day worship opportunities. But one thing in particular I want to lift to your attention is that on Sunday, December twenty fourth, that's Christmas Eve, and again the following Sunday, December 31st, that's New Year's Eve, we will only have one morning service on those Sundays. And it will take place at 10 AM here in the service, in the here in the sanctuary, and also on the live stream. And this morning you are warmly invited by Women at Fourth to a special coffee hour. Women at Fourth have prepared special homemade cookies and cocoa for you today, so we hope that you'll join us in Anderson Hall for coffee hour through the doors to your left after this service. And now let us join our hearts in prayer. Holy One, giver of life and light, as your word is read and proclaimed, illumine our hearts and minds, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, our lives may reflect your glory. Amen. A reading from the prophet Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me. God has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit. They will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, to display God's glory. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
2: Let us hear now our second reading, which comes from the first chapter of Matthew's gospel. Listen for God's word for us. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be pregnant from the Holy Spirit. For he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel. Which means, God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had given birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Amen. I remember at this time of year, one of my former congregations, we had a tradition for the Christmas Eve family chaos service we would tell the Christmas story and we would invite the children to come up and play whatever part they wanted to play in the service. It was, it was a smaller congregation and much fewer children, but still we had several Marys and there was a host of angels. There was no need to limit the Magi to just three. And there were kids that would come dressed as stable animals, not just sheep, but once we had a jagged and one kid was a cow he just moved through the whole thing and one little girl came every year dressed as the star yeah the all was actually written in the text you did well (laughs) but one year I was going through this and I said the angel appeared to Joseph who would like to come be Joseph and nobody moved I said, oh, come on now, somebody wants to be Joseph. The angel appears to Joseph, who would like to be Joseph? No takers. Before I could offer a third time, one of the Marys said, let's just move on, who needs Joseph anyway? (laughs) She has a point. Mary is the chosen one. Joseph just seems to tag along like the luggage. Joseph drops from the pages of scripture before Jesus is baptized, no longer part of the story. Maybe we should just move on. It's the take of much religious art. Joseph is often, often painted a bit removed, sometimes appearing disinterested, while the world stands in the glow of Mary and her baby. Who needs Joseph? Matthew thinks we do. Matthew thinks we can't get through this story without Joseph. When Matthew looks at Joseph, he sees a righteous man. It's as if, just as God chooses Mary, God chooses Joseph to raise his son. We are told that Joseph is a righteous man. He is the kind of man you could trust. He stood tall when things fell apart, which is exactly what happens. Mary is with child, but it's not Joseph's child. This is a child that is born of woman as is every child, but born of God's power as is no no other child. This child is God's son, but it appears that God wants Joseph to be his daddy. Just as God chooses Mary to be this child's mother, God chooses Joseph to raise his son, to teach him the skill of carpentry, to take him to synagogue, to teach him to read Torah, and to teach Jesus how to stand tall when the world falls apart, Jesus is going to need to know how to do that. But we meet Joseph when he is in a bind. His engagement to Mary is ending. He wants to do the right thing. Knowing how to do the right thing is not always easy. Life is messy. Things are not always clear. Issues are often complex. Often it takes serious thought to discern what is right in any given situation. But Joseph is fortunate because Torah speaks to this exact circumstance. It states in Deuteronomy that a woman who has a child that is not her husband's is not just to be divorced, but she, and she alone, The obvious patriarchy of this command is an important sermon for another day. But she is to be taken to the edge of the village and stoned to death. Torah teaches that the way you deal with unrighteousness is to purge your community from the unrighteousness you purge unrighteousness from your midst. It's never as clear as we think it might be. This is what the book says to do. So it is noteworthy that Joseph just can't do it. He just can't. He knows what Torah says is right, but he can't do it and if I understand the text, The reason he can't do what is right is because he is righteous. Right and righteousness are not always the same thing. Theologically, righteousness is a relational category. To be righteous is to be in right relationship, right relationship with God, right relationship with your neighbor. Joseph can't follow the rules because he sees that doing so damages his relationships. How can his devotion to God destroy his relationship to Mary? That is the question of righteousness. When my love for God becomes bad news for my neighbor, I have missed something in my love for God. When I was a kid, I needed to have my tonsils removed to put me to sleep. They didn't give me an IV. They put a cone over my face that had gas in it. You remember it had gas in it and I didn't like the smell and so in my five-year-old protest voice I said it stinks. <laughs> the nurse who had done this before she said well Tom just blow it away. That seemed reasonable to me so <gasps> That's the last thing I remember. (laughs) You see, in my effort to purge myself from this unpleasantness, it was all in me. Sometimes when we seek to do battle with the evils of the world, when we see what is wrong in others, when we see what is wrong in a circumstance, when we engage to do what is right, sometimes we injure those we deem to be wrong. The irony is I can follow the rules. I can obey the policy. I can can be right and at the same time fail to be good. Righteousness is about being good. My father-in-law was a pastor. He was a fine pastor. He had years of experience in ministry. And when his daughter married a pastor who had months in experience of ministry, my father-in-law claimed an opportunity to be a mentor. He found great joy in teaching me the ways of ministry. But there was a problem in this arrangement. I was 27 years old and very arrogant I had been a pastor for almost a whole year. How much more was there to learn? I didn't wanna be told how to preach a sermon or write a newsletter article or plan a session meeting. My lack of enthusiasm for this did not slow his eagerness to guide me, which meant that when my in-laws came from out of state and visited, they usually stayed with us long enough to have their mail forwarded. When they came to, when they came to visit, it would result at least in one tense conversation, at least one, there we were, two pastors going at each other about how to be pastors. It didn't change until I figured this out. When we were arguing, it didn't really hurt me, and it didn't really hurt him. But it did hurt Carol, my wife, his daughter. There she was watching the two men she loved most in the world go at it, each other. I, every time, thought I was right. And from time to time, I may have been. And by the skill of my argument, I thought I I was purging myself from foolishness. But I was not good. I failed to pay attention to the negative consequences of my virtue. If love for the good becomes bad news for the neighbor, we have missed something of the good. Joseph was a righteous man. He understood that. He understood that being right, that following the rules, that obeying the law was not enough. He was also responsible for the consequences of his faithfulness, the consequences his faithfulness had on others. When issues arise, be they as global as anti-racism or Israel-Palestine, be they as intimate as navigating family dynamics over the holidays, When issues arise, as people of faith, it is incumbent upon us to do the difficult work to discern what we believe is right. That matters. It is important. It matters what we think, how we speak, where we stand. But once we have determined what we believe to be right, we then have responsibility to pursue righteousness which is the harder work of paying attention to our relationships, particularly the consequences our rightness has on those relationships. It was years ago, I was attending a meeting of the General Assembly of the Presbyterian Church USA. A a General Assembly is kind of like a church family reunion. You see friends from all over the country. It's also like a week-long session meeting. There, There are committee meetings and debates and motions made and... And as you know, the issue that defined the church for a generation, most of the generation of my ministry, was the issue of the inclusion of the LGBTQIA community. Used to tall in that conversation. After a generation of theological exploration and debates, Bible studies and debates, motions made, motions debated after a generation of that, you show up at GA, everybody knows who's on which side. We had been talking about if We all knew it was like we arrived at the assembly clad in our team jerseys. We knew who was the righteous and who was, who was wrong. But in this particular assembly, a new issue hit the floor, the Middle East. And all of a sudden, It was like the spirit swept into the Presbyterian Church's locker room and mixed up all the jerseys. Because all of a sudden, people whom you had known and loved and battled with for a generation were standing at the other microphone. And people who you had just known were crazy for over a decade. They're agreeing with you. And in that moment, I realized in one way that the church had become very much like the world. I realized we'd put all of our energy into being right and very little energy into pursuing righteousness, and we had let the issues determine who our friends were. In these days, I wonder if the greatest gift the church might offer the world is this. What would happen if instead of letting the issues determine who our friends are, we let our friendships lead us to navigate the issues? When issues arise, it is incumbent upon us to discern what we believe to be right. That is important work. But then we must pursue righteousness, which is the harder work, Of holding on to one another. Next Sunday we will turn to Mary for the truth of this week cannot be told without her. Joseph on the other hand, it's possible to tell the story without him, but Matthew refuses to let us and I'm grateful he won't. For perhaps just as much as God chooses Mary, God also chooses Joseph to raise his son. God still needed someone to be Jesus' daddy, to teach him the skill of carpentry, to take him to synagogue, to teach him to read scripture with the eyes of righteousness. And I'm pretty convinced that that old angel is still hanging around, still looking for people to whom God can entrust God's son who know that it is not enough to be right, we also must pursue righteousness. Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe, help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray, amen.
3: let us remain standing affirming what we believe. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. Amen. Please be seated. Before we pray together, I do want to draw your attention to a change in the life of our congregation. The white rose in the chancel is for Karen Dirks, who died on October 25th of this year. As we remember Karen, we give thanks for her life and life eternal in God's everlasting care. This morning as well, if you have personal prayers of joy or concern that you would like to share today, we invite you to prayer with our deacons in Stone Chapel following worship. Stone Chapel can be found at the doors to the right of the pulpit. And now let us join our hearts and minds together in prayer. Ever watchful God, you are the one who waits upon us and walks with us in all seasons. As the sun's rays grow dimmer and the trees no longer bear their leaves, we sense the shadows of winter closing in on us reminding us of the mysteries and the longing that accompanies the deepest and longest nights. And yet somehow your presence never dims, your steadfast love never fails, and though this time of year brings us many emotions, we can count gratitude among them. So we give thanks for all that makes our hearts swell with joy, for the sparkle of holiday lights on streets, candles around tables at homes, for the reminders of what makes this season of Advent and Christmas so full of promise and possibility, We praise the sudden acts of kindness, the spontaneous gestures of generosity, for tables full with food and festive laughter as family and friends gather once more. And beyond each hearth and home we give thanks for so many who strive in their own often quiet ways to make this world a more delightful and loving place. We praise those who walk in the ways of justice even though we haven't got it all figured out just yet. But then there are times, and some of us are living through them now, where rejoicing is the last thing on our minds. So we pray for those for whom rejoicing is more remembrance for the past than a present reality. For those wrestling with the unfathomable depths of grief and loss, for those coping with the body that will no longer act as it once did. May each of these your beloved experience your consolation and healing graces. May they feel the community of love surrounding them with encouragement. When the shadows grow long, may they know they are seen and cherished. We also lift up to your care those for whom rejoicing is a pining for a future not yet arrived. For those seeking a place to call home and dignified work, we ask you to open up paths. For those in lands divided by conflict and those wounded by physical and the emotional toll of violence, we pray your mercy. Be with our siblings in Gaza and the West Bank and Israel. Be with our siblings in Ukraine and Russia. Be with our siblings and church partners in Cuba, wishing for a bridge of peace between our countries. As the fog of war brings tragedy and error, may you give leaders and decision makers clarity. Grow their conscience and put them on the path to peace and justice. Though this world of yours is ever in struggle, Scripture reminds us that you still rejoice, O Lord, with justice done, with kindness extended, with blessing given and grace offered that smooths the jagged edges of this life. So strengthen us that we would be such a people that would please you and cause one another to sing for joy. This we pray in the name of Jesus, and the glory forever, amen. Friends, all that we have comes from the creative and providential love of God, and that same God compels us to use that abundance in service of a world in need. So we invite you this Advent season to join us as we share God's goodness through the ministries of Fourth Church, and the programs of Chicago Lights, your morning offering will now be received. Let us join together in our prayer of dedication. Holy One, we give thanks for your sacred promises and steadfast love through the generations. Now receive these offerings that they may be instruments of your goodness, fulfilled in our time and in ages to come. Amen.
2: As we go from this time, remember this, the love of God calls you by name. It is a holy love that will never let you go. Let that love encourage and instruct and inspire you to do the good that is yours to do, to share the love that is yours to share, and trust that God will use that to lead us to God's promised day. It is a day when justice will roll down like waters. It is a day when swords will be beaten into plowshares. It is a day when our children will grow to be neither the destroyers nor the destroyed. And all of God's children will be treated as God's children. We are living toward that day. And now may the love of God, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the fellowship of God's Spirit rest and abide with us all now and forever. Amen.